morning to you. Welcome to Get Up With God. It's good to see you this morning. You're on the six points at 6 a.m. morning show, and I'm going to give you some great points to go over this morning. Today, we're going to be discussing the love of God. What a greater topic than we can discuss than the love of God. Get ready this morning. Grab your Bible, grab a notepad, and take some notes this morning. I'm going to give you some great points to study, but let's pray first before we get into the Bible and we'll get started here. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We lift you up. We glorify you. We thank you for all that you are doing for us, Lord. We know that you're a faithful God. You know, Lord, we may not be perfect individuals and perfect people, but we ask, Father, for your grace, your help, and your mercy, and we know that your love reaches out to those that are in darkness right now. We know that your love goes out to those that don't feel loved right now. So we ask, Father, that your love would shine abroad to those that don't feel the love of God, that don't sense the love of God, that have never experienced the love of God. And we know that you're a faithful God. I just pray over every person listening right now that they'd be helped this morning, they'd be encouraged this morning, they'd be they'd feel your love this morning, Lord, that you're a faithful God and that you care about them right where they are. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, let's get started this morning. Open with me into your Bible to the first, well, not the first book of Romans. There's only one book of Romans, but to the book of Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five. Again, we're talking about the love of God. I want to talk about a subject that stuck out to me from this past week. You know, God's faithful in everything he does, but his love for us goes far beyond above and above and beyond what we could even think and imagine. His love doesn't die out. His love doesn't fade. He continually loves us. In fact, his love isn't changing based on circumstances. Isn't that great to know that no matter what you do or have done, his love will never change for you. His passion and compassion for you won't change for you. Even in the midst of everything that you have going on in your life, excuse me, even in the midst of everything that you might have going on in your life, God still loves you and cares about you, even if you mess up. Now, there may be consequences for things that we've done. It doesn't mean that God's not a fair God. God's not an honest God. God is a God of his word. But before anything happens and before anything takes place, he loves you. He cares about you. I want to talk about his love for a second. Romans, the fifth chapter, go to verse, um, let's start in verse six, actually. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man, one will die, meaning uh, occasionally that will happen. It won't happen, but it happens often. It doesn't happen often, but it happens that for a righteous man, one will die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in the midst of your sin, in the midst of being a complete sinner, which God doesn't love, he doesn't love sin. But even in the midst of the sin that you have, the Bible says he he demonstrateth, or the new King, or the uh, the King James version says he commendeth or put forward. The Greek word for that word demonstrates is sinist sinistemi, which means to band to, to connect to, to to uh, attach itself to. God has demonstrated or attached His love to those who are still in sin. 
You, it didn't require anything of you to earn the love of God that he were to give something to you. We know the famous scripture. Oh, I think every person saved and unsaved alike know John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave of his of himself something that he only had one of, which was his only son. The Bible says that he loved us so much that he gave. And who did he love? He said he loved the world so much, not the saved individual, not someone who's accepted his son, but he gave to the unsaved, sinning world something because of his love. So it goes beyond, you know, there's a lot of talk right now, even coming from me, there's a lot of talk and communication about the end times, what's happening during these end times, uh, what's going to happen after the rapture when Jesus takes his church out of the earth. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, there's going to be the wrath of God poured out on the earth. Well, if God loves, why is he doing this? Because love doesn't change. His love is for the sinner of the world that the sinner would accept the work that he, his son did his, he loves so much that he wanted to give to you something, but that something that he gave had to be accepted to receive the benefits from it. It's not that his love, I'm going to say something that might be, might sound controversial, but you can't find scripture that says otherwise, but God's love doesn't save you. The work that Jesus did save you, which was love. That was love. That was an act of love. But God loving you doesn't, if God, if God's love towards you saved you from hell, then he, there would have been no need to send his son to the earth to die for you. Let me say that again. So you help. You might want to write that down. Point number one, God's love doesn't change. So God's love doesn't in and of itself, the fact that he loves you doesn't give you access to him or to heaven. If it did, there would have been no need for him to give something to you that provided you access to him. Without Jesus, that was the act of love. It's not an act of love for him just to grant you all the things that the work of Jesus did for you. The act of love was him giving to you the work of Jesus, Jesus himself to die for you. That was the love of God towards you. But the simple fact, which is not simple at all, it's not a small thing, but the, the, the fact that God has love towards you doesn't grant you access to the abilities and the graces and the power of God. It takes you accepting the gift that his love gave to you. Hope that helps you. Number two, number two, we do nothing to prompt the love of God towards us. Write that down. We do nothing to prompt the love of God towards us. Let me read this in 1 John chapter four. Remember his love towards us, as we just read Romans five, his love towards us was while we were still sinners, while we were still uh, nasty, decrepit, wicked people in his sight, his love was cast towards us in the midst of that. First John chapter four, we'll go to verse nine. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son. 
that God has, uh, or sorry, that God has uh, sent his only begotten son in the world, into the world that we might live through him in this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. So number two, we do nothing to prompt or to instigate or to gain God's love towards us. There's nothing you do. You can't live well enough to have God's love shed shed abroad towards you. And there's a lot that comes with God's love. You got to understand that. There's mercy. There's grace that comes from God loving you. You know, there's a temp. We're in a time right now where there's a mercy period where God has mercy on people who have done wrong. There will come a time where there is no longer mercy. There is no longer grace that the wrath from God against the people that he loves will come against those people because they've rejected the gift that he provided through love towards them. I mean, there's nothing more disgraceful than giving your love towards someone and and them just spitting on it. And throwing it on the ground. You know, even if you get something, you, you get a gift for somebody and it's not their favorite thing, it's not even the fact that you don't like that gift. It's it's you showing appreciation. It's the thought that they bought it for you, that you show them or you, um, you know, uh, respond to their love towards you by accepting the gift and acknowledging the gift at the very least. Even if you don't like it, you know, you, but you being upset or aggravated and rejecting that gift, I mean, that's very offensive. It, fe- it could feel like, you know, it's it's like I put time and effort into this thing and you want to reject it. <clears throat> that's not that's not a fair thing to do or to or to reject the free gift that I gave you. That's how God probably senses it. God loves us. He gave to us freely when we didn't deserve it. And then we reject that gift. Excuse me. That's why that love actually expresses wrath after the time comes that he's warned us about is because it's not that he doesn't love anymore, but he's given the opportunity for the love to be accepted. So number two, we do nothing to prompt God's love. Number three, God's love brings confidence that we cannot have without him. Turn to first uh, John four. Well, you're there. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting over a little uh, cold that I had, so I'm just kind of getting the uh, the uh, back end of it. So uh, I apologize in advance for the coughing and the uh, sniffling, but thank God you're not sitting across from me right here, but you're in the studio, and I can see you through the little camera, and you can see me, so there's distance there. But first, first John again, but jump down now to verse 17. Number three, God's love brings confidence that we cannot have without him. First <clears throat> John 4 and 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Let me read that again to you. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So what does that mean? This love has been perfected. Well, that word perfected in the Greek doesn't mean flawless or having no error. What it means is it's reached maturity. When you hear that word perfect, a lot of times in the Bible, perfected, it means it's reached maturity. It's reached a level of 
of uh, growth that it was aspiring to be. <clears throat> that love of God has been perfected or reached maturity in us so that we can be bold on the day of judgment before God. That's when that love has reached its maturity in our life. We stand before God. We say, God, I've accepted your gift. I may not have been flawless in the sense of perfect that we think, but I've accepted the gift that you've done. I've recognized your love towards me. I've accepted this gift towards me. And that love becomes mature, becomes perfected at that time of judgment, which gives us a boldness to stand before God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews that you cannot come to God unless you come through Jesus. He, Jesus is the high priest. He's the one that makes it acceptable for us to go beyond the veil in front of God. That's what happens at the judgment seat. You don't have the ability to stand before God lest you accept the gift that he gave to you through love. And that love, the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 17, becomes perfected in that we have boldness, confidence. That's how that can be translated. You have confidence, assurance, not insurance, assurance. You're assured and confident as you stand before God. Imperfect without God's love making you perfect, but you stand before God knowing that you've been made righteous, right standing before him because of the love that he gave to you. That's powerful. That that love, while you were a sinner, that John 3.16 love, God so loved the world, that love that we just talked about in Romans 8, 5 and 8, that <clears throat> he loved the, the sinner, the, the dirty, wretched sinner, that love standing before God with you now makes you righteous before him with the gift that he gave you of Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about, that you can stand before God boldly, that you can't have that boldness. You can't have that confidence. There's no way that you have that confidence without the love that God. It's like he made it possible for you, a wretched, dirty a sinner to stand before God, to stand before himself through what he did for you. It's like he's given you all the ammunition to win. He's given you all the tools necessary to beat and defeat all the things that could hold you back. All you have to do is accept it and believe it. That's the hard part for the believer is just believe it and accept it. Come on, you can do it. You can believe these things. If you just stay in the word, keep these things in front of your eyes, it, it becomes believable to you. So number four uh, or number three was God love, God's love brings confidence that we cannot have without him. Uh, number four, confidence brings boldness. <clears throat> As we just read in 417, confidence brings boldness. That word in Greek, that word boldness is parasia, which means frankness, directness, blunt, unreservedness, or to speak directly. So if we read that again in 4 and 17, the love of God is perfected, has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness or unreservedness or direct being direct with or blunt with. Now, now that's on the day of judgment. That's when you stand before God. But think about this now. This love of God that's perfected in you or reached a maturity inside of you, now you stand before people, 
humanity, even now before the judgment seat, before you face God, before you're in heaven, before the rapture, before you die, you, you, you're here planted on earth. Now you have boldness, unreservedness to stand before people and proclaim to them. The Bible tells us that we are a uh, we have a job of reconciliation. We become people to reconcile people to God, to bring people to Christ. That becomes our job. We have a ministry of reconciliation. Is what the Bible says, and so we now have boldness, unreservedness, directness. Uh, what else? Frank bluntness to be frank with somebody, to be direct with somebody. That we, because of the love that we've been given, we can shed that sin. Now, they've been given the same love. When you when you tell someone about the love of God, you're not giving them that love. They're already loved. You're just revealing that love to them. The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? How can they be told without someone ministering the word to them? We have to share. We have to share the good news of the gospel with people. And that the, the love that we have now gives us boldness once it's been perfected, once we've received the gift that love gives us, we can go boldly now to people to help them receive the same, or I should say, acknowledge the same love. Not just receive it, but acknowledge that it's there for them so that they can walk in it. Because without love, life is a life's a tough place without love. Love is all you need. You remember that old song? Love is all you need. So number five. Number five is uh, God gave himself, uh, Jesus gave himself for us. Jesus gave himself for us. Genesis, uh, Genesis, I mean, uh, Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two, turn with me there. First Corinthians, second Corinthians, Galatians chapter two. Go to verse 20. I have, uh, this is Galatians two and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. <clears throat> it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave of himself. So not only did, did God himself give where he, his love was demonstrated, as we said before, it was cast upon us, that the, the love that he had. It was cast to us through <clears throat> giving something that he only had one of. It was, his, it was his only one. He didn't have multiple ones. It was his only one, and he gave that to us. The Bible now says that, that, that the gift that God gave to us, Jesus, <clears throat> now he gave of himself. Remember, he had a choice. He was tested in the wilderness. He was he was tried in the wilderness by the enemy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tried in the wilderness by the enemy and came out proven, came out uh, uh, um, tested without having any blemish, without having any flaw, came out tested from the wilderness. And he had a choice that he could have neglected to do what he was sent here to do, to give himself and to remain sinless, but he didn't. The Bible says he gave of himself for you and for me so that we could have the life that he lived. Uh, turn down to John 15, the gospel, John verse 15, chapter 15, rather. 
John 15 in 13. <clears throat> Greater love has no one than this. So so now so now we take it to another level. God loved and gave of one thing that he had, which was his son Jesus. Now Jesus says this, that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And he says, you're my friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all the things I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So God's saying to us, I've loved you. I cared about you. I gave of, of something that I only had one of. Then that one thing that I'm giving to you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that love to the next level. And he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends, which is what Jesus did for us. He laid his life down. No one shows, no one has or will show a stronger affection than what Jesus did for me and for you. No one can do what Jesus did ever again. He took upon himself the sacrifice of um, being able to go from straight from earth directly to heaven. He took on the ability to, uh, the, the ability of that we uh, not the ability, he took on the right or trying to think, he took on the um, the responsibility that we should have had of the sin, of the torment, of of being cast into hell. We should have bared that burden. Even though God loved us, we, because of sin, the Bible says in Romans that, that the wages of sin is death. That's the return of sin. It separates us from God. That in and of itself is deserving of death and hell. And Jesus took upon him the responsibility of those things so that me and you wouldn't have to pay that price. Powerful, powerful. He took upon that for us so that we wouldn't have to bear the burden of these things. Now, here's where this love comes in. Here's where the love shows in our life. Turn with me into 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Number 6. The very least that we could do. The very least that we could do. Write that down. Number 6. The very least that we could do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15. Start in 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Take that in for a second. That <clears throat> those who live those who live, me and you, because of his death, we live, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's the greatest thing that we can do. The very least, I should say, the very least that we should do, 
the very le- the, the minimum that we should do. It's no more it's no greater thing than to live for him now. That's not the greatest thing that you can do. <clears throat> the greatest thing that you can do is now beginning to communicate to others and have your life shine for him. But living for him, showing uh, that his sacrifice was worth it, we give our life to the gospel. We give our life to God. We give our everything's available to him. You know, you should take a moment. When this show is done, you've got some quiet time by yourself. And if you haven't done this, Uh, close your eyes and look to heaven. You know, you don't have to have your eyes open to look to heaven, but close your eyes and look to heaven and tell God that you are willing and open to whatever he needs you to do. And that doesn't mean, you know, I I need to change a bunch of things. It's like, it's like this. People say, you know, I'd go to the ends of the earth for God. I would, I'd travel to the deepest, darkest places and do the, the, the craziest things for God because I, the, because I love God. That's great, and I appreciate that, and God probably appreciates that. But would you stay right where you are? Would you continue in what you're doing? Would you attend church every week just to just to do that? I know you'd, you're willing to go to the deepest, darkest, craziest places, but would you would you just be obedient with what you have in your hands? Be faithful with what you have, and start there. Give your life, make it available to God. Look to Him and say, God. I'm I'm open. It's an open book to you. It's like I'm opening my bank statements to you. I'm, everything's revealed. Everything that I have is available. It's not, it's not about money. I was using that as an analogy, right? Like I'm, I'm opening everything to you. I'm just making it all visible, available, so you can use it at your expense. Do whatever you need to do with it. Powerful. That's the love of God. And that's the love of God shed abroad in your heart and perfected that you make your life available to him. It's like you die to yourself and you make yourself a sacrifice to God. You lay down your life, which what did Jesus say in John 15? No greater gift has a person than laying down his life for a friend. Lay down your life for God. Give your life to God. Be saved today. Give give everything you have. Give Accept the gift that Jesus has, has paid to give you. Because he loves you enough to be able to do it. You've got heaven on the other side of these things. Don't don't stick around for the wrath that God has promised the earth to experience. Experience the love of God. Hope this helps you today. 6.6 a.m. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, be sure to do that now. Like the page. Be sure to share the page on your social media, whatever you do. And go to my website, dillonmaverick.com. That's D-I-L-L-O-N-M-A-V-R-I-C-H. That's dylanmaverick.com, and you can subscribe to my weekly emails. You'll get an email with the six points at 6 a.m. breakdown with notes and everything I do, and then you'll get a recap at the end of the week so that you can study and do these things on your own. But I hope this blessed you, and I hope you come back for the next show tomorrow morning. Be blessed. I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye.